0: Hi everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Essentials. I'm your host, Maddie Flint. It is great to have you guys back. If you have never been here before, welcome and make yourselves at home. Today, I'm going to be talking about topics in ecology. Yay, we love ecology. I'm just kidding. I actually really like human bio more, but ecology is interesting, as most sciences are, and today I am going to talk about it. So first off, environmental ecology fact of the day. It is about spring and fall turnovers with fall quickly approaching and summer coming to an end, which is really sad because I wish that it lasted longer, but I do love the start of every season. So in honor of that, I'm talking about spring and fall turnovers. So this is an environmental occurrence that happens, it's a seasonal process, and it recycles nutrients and oxygen from the bottom of a freshwater ecosystem to the top of a body of water. And these turnovers are caused by the formation of something called the thermocline, which is a layer of water with a temperature that is significantly different from that of the surrounding layers of water. Now, why are there stratified layers of water in one whole body like that? And the answer is that water has a high specific heat capacity. It really has a very high specific heat capacity. Like the temperature of water in a pond or in a lake or whatever, it decreases only a little bit when it's releasing heat into the surroundings. So that's why um, late into the day after a hot summer and you would think, oh, wow, the sun's barely out, you know, the water should be cooling down by now if you're going to go swimming somewhere. But it's still warm is definitely because it has taken so much time to absorb that heat that it isn't all going to be released in a short amount of time. So that is why bodies of water can get stratified. So as we are making our way towards fall weather, water is actually gonna help that process. It's gonna help to regulate the rate at which air changes temperature. And that's why the temperature change between seasons is gradual. It's not just a sudden, like, it's 40 degrees now after it being 95. Water is gonna help to regulate that and make it a smooth transition or sort of smooth. Because if you live in upstate New York, The seasons are crazy. It's a really hot summer. It's a freezing winter. It's snow in the spring. It's snow in the fall. It might as well all be snow until it's July. But just to recap on the spring and fall turnover thing, for any clarification, I think a great and very appropriate analogy for explaining differing layers of heat in water would be if I talked about apple turnover, because we are in fact getting closer to fall And everybody knows the two signature flavors of fall are pumpkin spice and apple. Duncan is already tempting me with pumpkin spice advertising for coffee. And I I told myself I wasn't gonna speed into fall because I'm trying to enjoy the fleeting final moments of summer, but that coffee does look really good and I probably will end up giving in and getting one in the coming week during school. So you are making these apple turnovers for friends, family, yourself, whatever the occasion is. You've got all of your ingredients combined in a bowl or even in the pot and it's boiling. It's the apples, the lemon, the cinnamon, the brown sugar, all this stuff is becoming a mixture. And so you're going to spread that over the pastry sheets, which is going to serve as like the crust and then the top part. So it's, it's like a pastry filled with apples, duh you're putting that mixture inside this pastry so that for this reference is going to represent the deepest part of the water and the pastry part will represent the top part of the water and the very bottom of the water so at the very bottom sunlight cannot get all the way to the floor of whatever body of water we're talking about so the water is going to be cooler The midsection of the water has had all of that time to absorb heat from the sun all season. And so it's just absorbing and absorbing and it's holding that. It has a really incredibly high rate of retention, which is specific heat capacity. So that part is just really warm. Um, Maybe not like hot, like bathtub water, but warmer than the bottom, the very bottom. And then the top part, Is the part that actually freezes once it starts getting really cold you get that thin layer of ice on top because that is the surface so imagine you have your apple turnover it just came out of the oven you're letting it cool but the filling is really thick and so even after a few minutes maybe the top of the turnover is a little bit more cooled off now maybe it's even like cool enough where you can touch it and not get burnt but then you cut into the middle of it and the inside is just flaming and you're like holding it in your mouth. You don't wanna spit it out and you also don't wanna swallow it and burn your throat out. So the filling was still warm. And now I'm gonna relate this back to the spring and fall turnovers where the nutrients inside the body of water are being brought from maybe the bottom to the top and like the stuff that's on the top is gonna end up getting recycled down to the bottom. So now those nutrients are being distributed. So with an apple turnover, you're going to cut it in half and like let the middle part open. So you're bringing that heat and the middle part to the surface so that that part can cool off. So you are distributing the heat from the middle to the outside. So moving on, I just want to recap my last episode that I did about biblical creation and the evolutionary theory by Charles Darwin. I think I mentioned something about humans not showing any signs of evolution. Um, maybe not physiologically, but being earth dwellers, separate from animals, but still earth dwellers, humans have evolved regarding adaptation to habitat before any major advancements we made in um, constructing our own habitats, really. We aren't animals, so we're not evolving from animal to human but we have adapted to surrounding environments for survival and we don't need to do that anymore because with advancements in technology that we've been able to make over the past few centuries we really have been able to create for ourselves habitats that are comfortable that we don't need to adapt ourselves to so no we're not evolving physiologically into some other creature that isn't a known animal or a human, that's not happening, but we have been able to advance or evolve in scientific exploration and all of that kind of stuff. So now I just want to move into um, a different topic, but is still under the umbrella of ecology and it's actually climate change. So no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, you have undoubtedly heard something about climate change being either controversial or like a giant threat and it's gonna kill us all. Commonly from the right you'll hear things such as it's mythical, it's imaginary, it's not worth spending money towards, it's a hoax, all this stuff. And then the left is out here saying it's an overwhelming immediate threat, the biggest cause of species extinction ever could cause issues in women's fertility. As if vaccines don't have a chance in doing that, too. Uh, But that we should spend billions on fighting this climate change. We should ban agriculture because cows produce methane. Honestly, I'm really not in favor of what either side is saying about that. Some people within those sides are a little bit more um, aware of what really is happening. But generally speaking, we don't need to spend billions and billions of dollars combating something that has occurred naturally long before any industries were even in existence. Long before giant agricultural businesses and farms and all that stuff. Back when it was just glaciers, like in the ice ages, the earth was already having temperature fluctuations. Like these glaciers were melting without humans having even established, even remotely, anything having to do with the industrial revolution anything industrial at all they were probably just using like rocks and wood to build things with so how would we be at fault for everything that is happening if it was happening so long before any of our advancements in agriculture industry manufacturing any kind of production in industrialized era but they can use it now because they have this narrative written into their agenda of capitalism versus the environment. And that specific narrative is at the root of a lot of public educational curriculum, whether it be in elementary or secondary school or high school or college. It's there in all of them. But we really should do what they always say that they're doing and follow the science and actually look at the data that has been collected on issues like climate change and not make assumptions and then live by those assumptions that we were going to die on earth in like 11 years or whatever the number was i feel like it decreases every year um, due to climate change but by doing that they are using a fear-mongering tactic and that makes more and more people want to follow their side of the party so really everything that they're talking about is just a way to get more political power and i'm not saying that republicans don't do this but But the left is using things like climate change and scaring people and saying their houses are gonna be underwater, manipulating people into believing that they need one and then two and then three and then four doses of an experimental drug so that they can combat, to combat COVID and only then will they be able to continue their education, keep the job that they've been working for for so long, be around their family in the hospital, That should not be used as a part of a political agenda. For taking an event and framing it as racial discrimination, like something is always racially motivated, and by framing it that way, they're creating sort of um, proof to the American people that this stuff is still happening. And they're doing the same thing for climate change. And a lot of these people that are environmentalists, or are just very far to the left, like radical progressive left, these people are policy makers, they're in public health, they're doing a lot of things where they have a lot of influence on society, so they can really spread their agenda in a lot of different areas, like for example, and some of these are really cool, like if you want to work in one of these one day, that would be awesome. Just don't push Teslas on everybody. Anyway, here's a list of interdisciplinary fields in ecology. So within ecology, you could work in design, engineering, economics, human ecology, ecological anthropology, social ecology, the health fields, environmental psychology, industrial ecology, media, software, information, deep ecology or social ecology. And a lot of jobs in these fields are actually in growing demand, but we are in an increasingly globalist, environmentalist country, so of course they're going to be in demand. But they would be cool if you leave politics out of it, but I feel like in today's political climate, it's impossible to leave politics out of things like that. But overall, I really do think that science and politics should be separated as much as they can be because as soon as you start throwing your political agenda into something like um, science, you're gonna start skewing the truth, and we don't want that. So on that note, I'm gonna end this episode for today because I do have an 8.25 a.m. chemistry lecture that I need to wake up for, and it's already almost midnight. So I hope that you guys will have a great day or night whenever you are listening to this. And thank you for the listen, obviously. I appreciate it so much. While you're here, be sure to check out all the other great podcasters that are here on this platform, and I will talk to you guys next week here on the BMG Network.